what pops up a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start off with some talking And some moody clips of popcorn fighting Fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on Contest and of course you know it's all about games I said slow down let's just start with the name It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast With the other Jason Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host Jason. I am recording this as I'm taking the dog out and doing my thing at night. Yes, the dog is Gadget, the one you don't hear very often. But I apologize for the interruptions and the odd recording of this, but it's after work, it's late, but I wanted to get the podcast out there. I had some thoughts I wanted to share with folks. It's been too long. I haven't put an episode out the whole all year even. So the first thing I want to tell you is to go check out Save or Die podcast episode 160. That's the 31 December episode. They have a gentleman on there whose name escapes me because I'm not inside looking at the computer, but... He invented the thief class for Dungeons and Dragons. And he talks about how he invented the thief class. He talks about how his buddy told um, Gary Gygax about it. And then Gary Gygax put it, modified it and put it in the um, Greyhawk supplement for OD&D. He talks about the differences between the original and, and the class he, you know, that was later made. He talks about how he used to do roll under attributes, which might be the origin of that. He also talks about player skill and character skill, and that player skill isn't role-playing. So now that I've made your blood boil a little bit, go check that out. Save or Die podcast episode 160, 31 December episode. Well worth your time to, to listen to some of the stuff this guy says. Daryl Wagner is the gentleman's name that invented the Thief class and talks about all that. So like I say, go check that out. So what have I been doing with my time? Well, I've been working a lot, <laughs> dealing with the family, dealing with our three dogs, which Tiger's doing good, by the way. Thank you for asking. Um, Tiger is a pit bull mix. We got all of our dogs are, you know, the rescues of some sort or another. And But Tiger had a little bit of adjustment issues, but he's doing really good now. Um, I've been able to play in a couple games, but for the most part, my gaming has slacked off a little bit. I do have some gaming coming up, which I'm looking forward to. But, yeah, I'm not going to do any gaming recaps today. I might talk about future games here in a little bit. Well, I'll talk about them right now. So, future games, I'm going to be running. They'll be episodic. So, there's going to be a maybe a six-session campaign. But each episode is going to be, each session is going to be kind of standalone, kind of like a TV show. So, people can drop in, drop out. What is this game, you ask? Well, it's going to be a Masters of the Universe game set kind of like in a little bit of a dark future to the cartoon, and I'm going to use the Metal World system. If you're not familiar with Metal World, you can find the free beta version of that on DriveThruRPG. I've been watching a lot of Metal... Metapocalypse... I can't even pronounce it. How do you say it? Metal-o-clipse. Anyway, the, the Adult Swim show with the band Death Clock on there... I've been watching that, and that kind of got me in a metal mood. I'm 
always kind of been a heavy metal guy. I've never really been a death metal guy. I do like to be able to understand the the um, lyrics, but I've always been a metal fan, so Metal World seemed like a good system to run this game with. So that's going to run um, about bi-weekly, hopefully, for, so I guess for 12 weeks. I'm also gearing up to run early in the morning on every other Wednesday, early in the morning East Coast time, which is like midday UK time and evening the previous day in Japan. I'm going to run uh, against the Dark Master game that'll last about the same time frame, and that'll be pretty fun. That's good. The, the extension, we finished our Merp campaign, Middle-Earth role-playing, and now we're going to move on to against the Dark Master, and I'm going to run this one, so I'll let you guys know how it stacks up to the Middle-Earth game. Um, yeah, that's about all I think I'll talk about gaming-wise right now. So, other than that, let's move on to the next segment. Oh, you know what? The other things I've been doing is I've been re-watching True Detective Season 1 with my wife, which she's a big Matthew McConaughey fan. She's not into really dark TV, so it's kind of a stretch for her. But, you know, True Detective Season 1, the draw to that is the acting from Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Both knock it out of the park. It's, it's close to a perfect season of TV. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough watch. Because it is because of the nature of the, the crimes and the nature of the um, the violence and all in that episode, but the acting that McConaughey and Harrelson do in that is just awesome. It really is. I've also been rewatching some older detective stuff. I'm a fan of like noir detectives, things like that. So your um, you know Murder My Sweet and Maltese Falcon, of course, all the Mike Hammer stuff. Um, I, I actually, I've, I've been rereading some Mickey Splane books, and um, actually I've also been rereading the, or not rereading, but reading for the first time the Roddick and Mars novels that that, are, that were put out by Rob Thomas, the creator of Veronica Mars, and I was a little disappointed that they're not in first person, so that was a disappointment, but the story's pretty good. Um, I'm a big fan of Mickey Splane and Mike Hammer, and... I'm not going to talk about that a whole lot this episode, but maybe next episode I'll do a segment on my camera and who my favorite actors are that, and my favorite portrayals of that horrible detective. So, let's go into the next segment. I mentioned games. I guess I should wheel back because it is the beginning of the year. New Year's resolutions, I'm not doing them this year. I'm not, I mean, I'd love to lose some weight and get in, sh- get in better shape and do some other things, but I, I'm not, I don't know that New Year's resolutions are all that smart. Um, last year, as far as RPGs go, I wanted to run Boot Hill, I wanted to run Rollmaster, I wanted to get Bushido run. Uh, Shandy Andy over at the Unguarded Treasure B-52 podcast wanted me to run Bushido for him. Bushido did not happen. Um, Boot Hill, I did run play by post. I played in the Merp game, which kind of counts as Rollmaster. I'm getting ready to run against Dark Master, which is a copy, well, it's a ripoff of Rollmaster. So I'll kind of count that, I guess. But I really want to get Bushido done for Andy and um, this year, 2021. So hopefully I'll be talking about that in the future. But I think that's it for New Year's resolutions because I'm not going to make any this year. Okay, this will be the main body of the show. 
It's not going to be very long either, don't worry. But I want to talk about one-shots for a little bit. You know, when you're running a one-shot, and this would apply to pretty much any game as far as crafting your characters, but I, but I think it works really well for one-shots, especially games where you're creating the character on the spot. One of my favorite systems used for one-shot is from Deep 7 Games, and it's the 1PG system. And it's a, it's a really simple system, uses a single D6, but each, but so the character sheet has the rules on there and it's got random tables generate your character on there. So, you know, before the session we'll generate characters. And I've used it for Space Cowboys, I've used it for Buddy Cop games, I've used it for Samurai games. I've used it for a number of different genres and, and I'm really happy with that system. But we're making characters on the spot. So how do you get people to, to you know, think about that character and express that character and do it quickly. So the cool thing with the 1PG system is part, some of those tables you roll on kind of give you motivations. They, they give your character's background and maybe special edges your character has or special skills they have. So we'll roll those up and then of course all that depends on the genre. And then I'll tell the player, so what actor does your character look like? And what actor's person, what personality what character you know personality does your character have and ideally they're two different things right so your actor you know or your actor your character you know depending on what your role you know so if your dad was so if we're playing like a crime genre kind of thing and your dad was a crime boss and, and this and that you, you know you, you can pull that out but you, the actor you pick is the, the face of your character. Hey, my character looks like Sylvester Sloan, or my character looks like Will Smith. Cool. But the personality, ideally you'll pick a different personality from the actor. But that, that gives people something to think about and visualize your character in their head, and it gives them like a key thing in there. And the, if, if you don't want to tell people to pick a separate actor as the personality, then at least get them to give a catchphrase. So, you know, what, you know, kind of what actor does your, does your character look like? And then what's your character's catchphrase? And, and if you do that, you can kind of get them to start thinking of that character. And I found that that helps players get into their roles pretty quickly. What I like to do for NPCs for these games is I'll randomly generate names. And of course, that'll depend on genre. And then I'll go through and I'll pick actors and assign actors to those roles. Or I'll have a big list ahead of time, and I'll, you know, I'll just make a, this list ahead of time. But that way, when they come across a character, I will, you know, say, hey, they look kind of like this actor, and kind of describe them, and, you know. And then for the NPCs, generally, I'll just play them with that, you know, I'll pick a role that everybody knows that actor in, and play it as that character, right? So it might be um, Joe Pesci from My Cousin Vinny. Right, or it might be Michael Ironside, you know, with long hair from Highlander Two, and you know, as General Katana, and, and so I'll I'll play them as directly that character out of that movie because it's just an NPC, so they're not, you know, in the in the game that much, but everybody can visualize that right away. And when you're playing in only a, a full game in two hours or two and a half hours, that's good enough. Using that shorthand just gets you through the game. It works really well. I try to get even like a two-hour game. I, I try to move them around so we're in at least you know three or four locations, have at least three or four scenes. 
the 1PG system really helps with that because the combat's quick and it's, you know, the game system's really quick so it gets out of your way and you don't get bogged down in those fights. But it allows enough character individuality that, you know, players feel like they're doing their own thing, can do their own thing. So, for example, I did a, this last Space Cowboy game I did. And the other thing I do for these games is I tend to pick a movie or a media property I'm familiar with, and I'll base the game on that. So uh, let me walk you through the steps of this last Space Cowboy game I, I ran. So I did the movie, is it Forbidden Planet? Shoot, I should have looked this up before I started recording. But I picked a Roger Corman movie. And this Roger Corman movie is basically an alien ripoff. And I'm looking up the name of this I talked to on my phone because I'm in the bedroom recording this. But anyway, that's new here and there. What matters is that I picked this movie that I, I knew because I've seen it before. If you haven't seen Forbidden Planet, it's pretty cool. It's not Forbidden Planet. That's not the one I'm thinking of. Damn it. Um... I don't know, I'll have to look at um, Corman, Alien, Ripoff. Wow, this is riveting, isn't it? Anyway, so I do... Oh, Forbidden World, that's what it is. So it's Forbidden World from Roger Corman, which, you know, it's got a really awesome synth score on it, and it's a really neat movie. It's got some, you know, sex stuff in there. Um, but it's it's not a great movie, but I've seen this movie. and. And it's, it it's works good enough. So I took this movie. And in that movie, you have the main characters, like this intergalactic... Um, he's he's kind of like a marshal, effectively. Um, and he goes... He's a... Um, what's he? He's a... Just a military troubleshooter is all he is. But he's sent to this planet where uh, lab experiments got out of hand. And it starts killing everybody. And he has to take out this lab experiment. And throughout the adventure, sleeps with a female, you know, scientist there and interacts with the male scientists and all, all kind of fun things ensue. Well, so I took that basic plot idea and I said, well, I'm going to adapt this to a Western, you know, the space Western kind of idea, like a Firefly idea. And because a Western, you can run pretty much any story through there, which is great. And the same thing with space games. You can pick a plot from anything. You can pick a plot from any genre and run it in a space game. So I, so what I did is I took this plot and I, so I told the characters, you're part of the space rangers or space marshals, I think, galactic marshals, what I think we call them. And I had them start the same way. So we started the game. They were waking up, coming out of um, cryogenic sleep in the ship, being attacked by pirates. So they had to run. One of them ran. He was the pilot. The other two ran to gun pods, like in Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon, where they've got the gun pods. And they ran there and they fought the pirates. And that took... I don't know, maybe 10 minutes at the most. And then they landed on the planet and they interacted with the, you know, the planet superintendent. And this planet, this Space Cowboys, is a big terraformed world that's pretty much just all grasslands and they do cattle and they, they raise beef and raise food for that sector space. So it's really, and this is on the outer rim, which is why you have the cowboy theme. And it's like Firefly, so there's not, you know, faster than light travel or faster than light communication. And um, so they had, but something has been killing the cattle. So they had to figure out what was killing the cattle. So I gave them some plot hooks and they went and they went and checked out a local casino and they did the, and they went and talked to some of the ranchers. Um, they took one, the rancher they talked to was, was um, 
Samuel Jackson from what movie? I, I forget what movie I, I pulled him out of, but Samuel Jackson from one of his roles. And um, they, they didn't meet the other rancher, which was Reba McIntyre from the Tremors movie. But then, of course, there's a lab there on the planet that was working on bioengineering food to get bigger and things. And a space amoeba escaped the lab and was killing things. So, but they didn't know that at the time. So they go to the lab, they see this patched up hole inside the lab. They're like, hey, this is weird. So they, they get in the lab, they force their way in, you know, using their Marshall creds. And, and they start bracing the main scientist and he's evasive. And finally, you know, they find this trashed laboratory and see where a wall's been melted. And, you know, and, and so he says, oh yeah, that was, you know, the, the specimen, he finally admitted the, the specimen got away and they asked what melted the wall. And he goes, oh, well, it was this acid, it was this acid thrower and he pulls out a fire extinguisher. And I described it as a fire extinguisher, but he said, no, and it shoots acid. And I said, cool, well, we're going to take this and we're going to go kill it. So and so they went and they finally found the space amoeba and fought it. But it turned out he really just gave him a fire extinguisher, not an acid thrower. And so that was kind of not cool for them when they found that out. But it all turned out well. They won the mission, or they won the adventure. They managed to kill the space amoeba thing. But I hadn't. All I'd done initially was set up the base idea, wrote down the characters, who they look like. Um, oh, the main scientist guy was, of course. Macman, Max Man Sinaud from as Brewmeister Smith from Strange Brew, but 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 I hadn't figured out what they were going to do, how they were going to beat this thing. I just set it out, and maybe they come across Space Amoeba if they just mess with different ranchers. They might not even got that far, but they ended up you know doing really good. And I, but as far as the fire extinguisher thing, I kind that was all improv because they were bracing the scientist. And I hadn't planned on doing any of that, but he was being really evasive. He didn't want to admit that they created this monster. And they're like, well, what's this hole in the wall where it's eaten through? And, and, and so I figured, well, he's just going to try to lie to him. He's going to try to lie his way out. So he's going to just tell him, oh, well, that was acid from, from the acid thrower I shot when I destroyed it or tried to destroy it. Oh, well, what acid thrower? And, and so in desperation, he just grabbed a fire extinguisher off the wall and handed it to him. Now, the players never checked this thing. They, they never, you know, did a test fire to see if it worked. They never read it, looked for markings on it or anything. They just took his word that that's what it was. So was that me as the GM cheating the players? I don't know. The players I was playing with didn't think so. They enjoyed it. They thought it was kind of, you know, when, when they went to, to spray the, um, when, when they went to spray the amoeba and it just, you, you know, puffed out, they, um, you know, they kind of chuckled. They they thought it was a good gag. So they weren't bothered by it. I guess some players might have been bothered by it. But, but I don't know. I just made it up as I went. But those are some thoughts on one-shots. Maybe that'll help you. Maybe it won't. But, you know, the idea of, like, catchphrase, what's your character's catchphrase, what actor does your character look like, can help people. You know, if you're making up characters on the spot for a game you're about to run, those kind of things can, can, can help. And then using the, the ideas of just, oh, yeah, this is Tim Allen from Tool Time, you know, effectively. You know, for NPCs, I mean, that's just really easy shorthand. And that way everybody can relate to them. And then you can move on to the next part of the adventure and you're not wasting a whole lot of time. It, you as the GM trying to come up with personalities and trying to remember personalities. Because if you just write, 
you know, the, those notes down, you know what Tim's like on tool time. Tim Taylor's like on tool time, so that's easy enough to, to play that character. So those are, are, are my tips for running one-shots or for, you know, off-the-cuff adventures. Okay, that's all I got. I've run longer than I wanted to. I'm sorry about that. But I will come back to you again soon with a segment on Mickey Splains Mike Hammer and some RPG stuff. I've done the Session Zero for the Masters of the Universe game before my next episode, so I'll talk about that. And maybe I'll do some other session recaps for you at that point because I might have played some other games by then. So until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Stay warm if you're, you know, not in Australia or New Zealand. And I want to thank Ray Otis for doing the art for my podcast. I want to thank TJ Drennan for the music. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. And I will talk to you again soon. Take care. Who's on the phone? Joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the gold. Is a dustman and your moil is quite a tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world is gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck